episode 18 of Head of a Codfish, the podcast where we talk to modern working families about how they manage the dual responsibilities of career and family. I am your podcast host and producer, Hayley. Before I get into the interview, here is a little update from me. I'm happy to report that I am no longer between jobs. Since releasing the last episode, I have started a short-term contract which sees me working full-time. This is a bit of an adjustment for me and my family, and as it is a contract role, it has all happened quite quickly and we are still getting used to a new way of doing things. I'm loving my work, loving my work team, and loving being in that kind of work environment again. It goes without saying that I'm pretty busy, but at the same time, having more on my plate means I'm hitting that peak efficiency I've talked about on the podcast before. But on to this episode. Here we have part two of my interview with Joe. In part one, we talked about the ways she manages parenting and work. Here is a bit of a look back at some of the ground we covered. So in our home, it's myself and my twin daughters who have just turned 10 years old. And because I'm a single mother, um, without the support of my parents, the Mm -hmm. girls' grandparents, we wouldn't function as a family in in order for me to have a working life. Watching the relationship that they have built with my parents, they love my father, they adore him, and they have just the most extraordinary relationship with one another. It's just gold. You can't... Yeah, excellent. Yeah. It's just lovely. I don't like to push the mummy button. Like, I really don't. I try to use that button as little as I possibly can. For example, I was asked to go away in a conference. Mm -hmm. The lengths it took me to go to that conference were extraordinary Mm. but I was not going to be the woman who couldn't go Go on conference because she's a single mother yeah you know there are two types of guilt there's the maternal guilt yeah (laughs) you know that you you're faced with the maternal guilt of leaving your child Mm -hmm. or you're faced with the employer guilt of letting down your employer that's right yeah and there's a quid pro quo either way there's going to be a guilt because I think it's about expectations. So I don't think it's about that person who needs to have everything right. Yeah. I think it's about the expectation of what is right or wrong yeah. and that there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. a little bit like what you said about this is happens in our family. Mm. Mm. That's what happens in your parenting experience. It's not a rule. It's not hard and fast. Yes. It's not yeah. fixed. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, and just go with that. So in part two, we move on to focus on the workplace and how parenting responsibilities are perceived and handled in a large and diverse workplace. We talk about the structure of organisations and how they can be improved to benefit everyone, not just working parents. Okay, so with the arrangement that you've kind of worked out with work and, and the girls and stuff, do you feel like it's something you've had a choice in or do you feel as though yeah, it's an obligation or it's uh, limited by logistics or number of hours in the day? Um, there are many constraints placed upon the current arrangement that I have. Yep. I feel like it's a very ca- finely calibrated equation. Mm-hmm. And if we change one element sure. in that equation, then everything else will 
blow out in some way or another. So do you mean if you like changed hours at work or changed after school activity or something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all of those things. Um, in terms of obligation, <laughs> look, um, financially, for us to be viable, I would not be working point eight. Yeah, I. The reason I work point eight is for my own sanity. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so my Fridays are my day to exercise, mm -hmm. my day to maybe get a haircut, yep. my day to run errands, my day to maybe catch up with a friend, possibly. That's that's a at the end of the list yeah. kind yep. of a thing. Yep. But, um, and then get that all done by 3 o'clock in time to pick up my children. So mm -hmm. when you work it out, it's actually six hours of me time that yeah. I get a week. Yeah. <laughs> and that keeps me sane. But if I could, if there were flexibility, um, I would love, absolutely love to absorb more time working from home. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that I could either take up more hours for work. Mm hmm or that I could do the after-school activities and then finish off doing some so work stuff, yeah. later on in the day. Yeah, it's interesting what you just what you said about um, flexibility and using that to do more work because I feel like when people, employers, um, managers mm. talk about flexibility and when you are talking to them about flexibility, the assumption is is that you're trying to do less. No, yeah. That you're trying to get out of it or mm. that you're trying to crib time or that you're trying to do less and I certainly know where I was working previously it was really very set hours being kind of a service area where there was operating hours it was very restricted to that I found it quite hard if I was you know late just getting the girls to school or whatever and then I was late in I couldn't really stay any later to mm. do mm -hmm. anything so it was quite rigid in those hours and I was trying to work out things like, you know, working from home or something. And, yeah, just the assumption is that I'm trying to do less. And I'm like, no, I've got these really rigid hours. I'm actually trying to do more. I'm trying to work out ways of doing this better. And then the other thing I was trying to do was having one child that tends to have some hospital stays during the year and has higher than average number of sick days maybe. Which, of course, means that then I'm having higher than average sick days. And, you know, with some sick days... Sometimes uh, I wouldn't be able to work. I, I really have to be right yeah, there all yeah, the time. Yeah. But there's others when maybe the worst is over and it's just a bit of a recovery day or maybe sometimes we have a bit of a preemptive day. Uh, like as in I know if we get a, a rest day in now, yeah, we'll actually, we'll, we yeah, might avoid the hospital stay. We'll, we'll actually be better. So I would be quite able to work then um, as that preemptive day and it actually means that I'm not away from work because I'm in hospital with a child. Yep. And so I'm actually trying to get a better deal for you here. Mm. But, yeah, as I said, the assumption is always that if you're looking for some flexible arrangement, you're, you're trying to do less. Absolutely. Like, no, that, that is not what, what people are... That's not what people are always asking for. No, not at all. And I think that I've just always worked on output and mm. I look at the amount of work that I do on point eight versus some of the full-time employees. Yeah. And everyone always thinks that they do more, of course. Of course they do. But I've spoken to several managers who say that they know that any of their part-time staff 
feel guilty mm. and always pick up more yeah, work right. than any yeah. of the full-timers. And I just think that being present doesn't actually mean that you're working. Exactly, yep. I could be physically be there. I mean, the number of people, we have someone who works on a desk and streams Game of Thrones, for goodness sake. That to me, you know, that to me is just something that, wouldn't even cross my mind yes i don't even check my private email i don't even look at the news online i don't mm. you know mm. and so i couldn't be more exemplary as an employee but yeah i'll get caned for wanting to just have a little bit more leeway or latitude yeah. around my work day yeah um and just because you can't see me doesn't mean i'm not working so is it the organisational rules or is it just how it's interpreted in some particular areas? I work for a very large organisation and I've been very fortunate to move around within the organisation. Right, so you've... And I can say... Experience that implementation in different ways. Absolutely. Yep. You could feel like you work for a completely different mm, employer mm. depending on where you're placed within the company yeah, despite yeah. the fact that we all work under the same enterprise bargaining agreement yeah. all the same, same hr rules same policies absolutely and some managers will really interpret them quite loosely yeah. and others will just interpret them to the letter of the law and it's really unfortunate because i think that in some ways that thwarts the business practice itself mm. it really does yeah i mean we've um spoken to to a hr person who is also a mother of two yeah um who's working actually four days a week as well so right. point, point eight yeah and we were talking about there from the perspective of giving people that flexibility and working that out and the dividends that pays in um staff retention yes so people who are given that opportunity and have a bit more balance they have a bit more time to get the stuff they have to get done at work and at home yeah are much more loyal yes because they are less in the position where they're going um, up to the eyeballs in this i can't take it anymore i need to make a change and that change is quite likely going to be i'm going to leave your workplace yeah um so yes it's, it's very beneficial to kind of interpret it in a way that works for people and keeping in the back of the mind it's not doing less work it's just finding a better fit for the same work yeah um that it, it pays dividends i think also we have this false view of such an individualized world and that the occupancy of the position can only be filled by one single person mm-hmm. um and i think that that stifles workplaces as well Mm. so that you know only one person can go to a meeting you know and it can only be that representative of a work unit for Mm. example yeah um so in my unit we have a manager she attends all of our um you know business unit related meetings but that leaves us in a very fragile position yeah. because no other representative has her knowledge or awareness yeah, yeah. across the institution. Mm. Um, and so I see that as a weakness. There shouldn't yes. be that yeah. instilled in one person. Well, because for a few reasons, I mean, they can have a particular um, influence or perspective on things that's just not beneficial. It's a single point of failure. If, yes. you know, they yeah. suddenly are sick on a crucial day, yes. then, then it can set project timelines back massively 
And I work in an institution which is incredibly hierarchical and has single point of failure built into its structure. Okay. And I think, and I see that everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if there were greater ability to share responsibility across the institution more broadly, then that would um, make it more robust. And I think it would reduce the amount of pressure placed on individuals because it wouldn't be you're the single point of failure so therefore if you're not here everything is going to break Mm -hmm. so people wouldn't be under that pressure to constantly have to be present in every moment yeah um and i think it's more of a hive mind kind of (laughs) mentality yeah um but i think it's also more future focused because then when you lose someone yeah you know yeah, yeah, you You've can replace lost. one part and it's a lot easier for the for the kind of general momentum to, yeah. to, to be happening, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I just think it also makes it a more inclusive and diverse workplace. Yeah, yeah. And particularly if you want those voices to come through. Um, and also if you want to promote women into managerial roles. Yes, yeah. You know, I've been identified as a leader within the organisation. I've done numerous leadership programs. Yep. But can I penetrate through the pyramid? Yeah, <laughs> you know, okay. Because the pyramid goes, at, you know, there's a peak at the pyramid. Yeah. So there's only a few roles above me that are ever going to become available. Mm-hmm. But at yep, least yep. if there was a diversity in the approach to not single point of failure and distributed model of responsibility, yep. then more people would have the opportunity to step up and show leadership and have a voice and re- do representation mm, and mm. participate in committee or negotiation or whatever it might be um whereas now at the moment there's just a funnel and the funnel is blocked and there's no unblocking that funnel yeah and i just see this and i go to international women's day breakfast where we talk about you know how many do i have to sit through yeah what will it take and what it will take is changing the way that we structure organizations so it's less like you're saying less based on structure and individuals in roles and and i mean there's a lot of people out there that just find so much kind of comfort and safety in that isn't there Mm. this is my role and here's my little box and this is my world and this is exactly how i do what i do and don't you dare challenge that so yeah on an individual level there's a lot of people that have to get out of their comfort zones yeah. For that for that to happen, isn't there? And I could even be one of them to a certain degree, but I'd be willing to give it a try. Yeah, you know? yeah I'd be yeah. willing to give it a bit of a crack. I mean, it's interesting. You, you start. I mean, I read statistics. I you know, read a lot of articles and and stuff um, about kind of workforce participation and mm. um, you know women at managerial levels and whatever. And the interesting research about. The performance of companies that have women on their boards, um, and I remember this particular study about mining companies, and where you'd imagine is very male-dominated. Mm, absolutely. Um, and it was kind of a measurable profit increase for those that had women in their executive teams, and it's just that if you've got a whole heap of people have the similar experience mm. have come into the industry a similar way are driven by similar things all make the same similar mistakes um and just to have different perspectives around the table 
doing things different, differently, looking at things a different way that maybe haven't come into the industry in the same way. They haven't yeah. worked up from from being on a shovel or something. Yeah, having different voices around the table in, improves the, the kind of, in a monetary way, improves the profit of those companies mm. where your working's less about profit but... it. But it's, um, it's certainly not about profit but it is about return on investment yeah yeah so at the end of the day doing doing a good job doing doing what you're doing well yeah yeah and if there's again too many of the same kind of people with the same kind of experiences being the only ones at the table yeah then if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and i definitely think one of the things that attracted me into the um environment where i work is that I knew that they had very robust policies around workplace participation for women. Yeah. And I'd read their enterprise bargaining agreement before I even applied. Yeah, okay. Because I knew that it was a safe industry in which to work and that there was very little chance that I would experience discrimination. Yeah, sure. But I can honestly say now, eight years later, having been there... And having applied for other jobs within the same organisation, mm-hmm. that when they do a referee check, I'm going to have to take this person off my reference list because the first thing he will say is, you know she's a single mother. Oh, yeah, right. And so I've, I mean, I've still been deemed appointable and I've still successfully achieved the job. But the first thing my new manager has said to me is, oh, yeah, you didn't disclose that you're a single parent in your interview. Oh, yeah. To which I will say, well, I, I have no yeah. obligation to yeah. devolve that to you. That's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. The question is, God. can I do the job or not? Yeah. And the answer is, yes, I can. Man. So it's very interesting that you know what the institution wants to reflect externally and what you experience internally, internally can be being two very different, different things just that that kind of inference when you when you say oh you didn't disclose that it's like i'm not it's hiding an, anything it's, it's an assumption that that you should understand that that's something wrong and that oh. you should disclose that mm-hmm. i was like no yeah that's just mm-hmm. Oh, quite wrong. The, the, the attitude that you you should know your deficiency and you should be... That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, and the thing that, is that... It works on the assumption that it's a deficiency. <laughs> and that's why I don't disclose it. Because in that whole conversation, they have just revealed that that is their prejudice and yeah. that's what they think. Yeah, exactly. And why would I then confirm that by, yeah. or give them the opportunity to discriminate against me yes. from the outset by disclosing that. Yeah. I won't do it. Mm. And I always advise – it's really interesting because when I talk to other women about about my own practice, because I will always say to them, apply for full-time roles because they'll say to me, I'm looking for part-time work. I say, so? Apply for full-time work and negotiate your way down. Yeah. Never, ever, ever go in – saying I'm looking for part-time work yeah because assumptions will be made about you and you won't be appointed you're wonderful capable women get the full-time role and then work back from there yeah see I have even not on that level generally if I'm applying for a full-time job if it's somewhere say a short-term contract and it's 
finite time and it's full time and that's the under, I fully understand that and I'm like I'm not coming here to say oh, I want to work part time because if you advertise for something for two months clearly it's full time for two months I'm not stupid yeah. but then as soon as I might say oh just like because as I said I've come from a workplace where the hours are really rigid yeah, and yeah. I found it yeah. difficult and so I would like to work somewhere where starting in finishing times can vary you know half an hour 20 minutes yeah. you know just that much um yeah. would would be good so as soon as i ask anything about flexible starting and finishing times it's always oh you do know this is a full-time role uh uh did i ask about yeah yeah yeah, yeah did I, I say i was reducing the hours <laughs> and i'm like i'm clearly I, i'm not because i respect that you've said it's a full-time position so it's yeah, a full-time yeah. position because as i said generally i'm talking about shorter term contracts so it's a bit of a different slightly different deal but the, yeah the assumption is as soon as I ask about starting 20 minutes later and finishing 20 minutes later one day a week or something the assumption is that I'm I'm trying to creep back creep back yeah yeah and but the thing is I, I really want to know that yeah yeah at that up point front, up yeah. front yeah then how do you get that answer without <laughs> without yeah. asking and that's the thing so because what I'll say to people is Absolutely. If it's a short-term contract and it's full-time, maybe don't apply it and then try and talk them into part-time. But if it's a project and it has to be delivered, does it have to be delivered by the end of the two months? Or could you work 0.6 and deliver it in four months? Yeah. yeah. You know, Is like it? what are the terms of the, con- of yeah, the yeah. project? Because there's no... I. Because there is this rigidity mm. in the mind of a manager, why not put some flex into their thinking and have them start to think a little bit more creatively like your daughter that the truck doesn't have to be in that toy box Mm. the way that you think it does maybe you could drive it a different way Yeah, yeah and i guess that unless people have those conversations that mindset's not going to change because it's never challenged. Mm. And I don't think that that just applies to women in the workplace. I yeah. think that this would be of benefit to everyone in the workplace. Definitely. Yeah. You know, why are we locked into this? Oh, yeah, I mean, view about as, when and where work happens. As as you can imagine, it's something we talk about a fair bit, but yes, it's not just women with children. It's men with children. It's um, people with elderly parents. It's people who have um, fairly high-level sporting commitments or community voluntary things. I remember reading an article a while ago about how in you know, studies in certain societies where there's a lot more flexibility, the participation in voluntary oh, uh, community wow. work goes up. Goes up. Yeah. So as a yeah, whole, as, a as as your value as a person to the community is actually can be higher yeah. um, beyond just yeah. paid work if you have that flexibility. And that has nothing to do with having young children. No. That's just to do with having a passion for, I don't know, for firefighting, country firefighting and being able to do that or yeah. being a real first aid whiz and being able to be a voluntary first aid person at community events um because you have the ability to within your work life so it's certainly yeah certainly not not just working mothers no funny you should say that i have a friend who's a paralympian and he happens to work at my institution but i knew him well before then he broke his neck and he's wheelchair bound but work allow him time out to go and train for his basketball and his other activities and they know that 
he will be away for this period so yeah. that he can participate in his Paralympic athletic events. And I just think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. But I wonder sometimes if the reason that they are able to support that, and this is going to sound wrong, but I don't quite know how else to put it, it's because he's in a wheelchair and they can see it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. They can see that he has something that requires a, an alternative some, arrangement. Yeah, some different you thinking know? about yeah. how like, yeah, it, how we're doing this. Yeah, They have no other alternative but to face that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, oh, you know, it was a personal choice to have children. You know, yeah. like all those yeah. kinds of attitudes that people carry. I think there's probably ideas about acceptable reasons mm. for work flexibility yes. and not yes. acceptable yes. reasons or reasons that we yes. see as yep. as you know not in keeping with with the company's you know how we do things for example where my husband used to work he reduced his hours as i increased mine mm-hmm. he was viewed quite negatively mm. in doing that whereas there's other people on the staff that were working less hours for other reasons and they weren't viewed in that same negative light. Why is that? Um, Can you explain that to me? Because I don't understand it. Um, the words were really about, I just don't think you're dedicated enough <gasps> to this job. Oh, really? Because you want to... Because you took a step back. Yeah, took a step back. But that's not about your dedication to the no, role. No, no. You could be there 100% of the time and not give a toss. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, you, that's exactly. not the indicator. Yeah, That's just yeah. not the indicator um, of someone's commitment. But there was other people that worked part-time for not child reasons. Right. And that, yeah, wasn't viewed in the same light. Um, and it's again, it's something we've talked about in the podcast before. That that kind of line where people go, "You're a mother," or "You're a career person." Yeah. And as soon and as you have both. children, it just turns off the career yeah. part in yeah. you. Um, and it's kind of a bit that assumption, I think. When obviously we find it a lot as women that it's just assumed that once we have children, we'll be happy to do these part-time, lower-level roles. Mm. Um, and that, that our career ambitions just get switched off. Of course. And that we can't want to... The placenta does that, doesn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, I believe that, I believe that I is one of the roles of the placenta, w- yeah. yes. <laughs> switches <laughs> off your ambition, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where you kind of go, well, of course, like, that doesn't mean you do. But so many people assume as an underlying kind of thing of that it does. Yeah. That it does just kind of switch that off. That you can't want to to be a CEO once you've had a child, and and I think it was a it was a bit that as well, but applied to a male that mm-hmm. oh if you're going to look at doing that, well then we've just kind of we're going to put you in the in that bucket in the, that bucket the mummy bucket in the mummy bucket yeah <laughs> you're yeah. now in the mummy bucket too <laughs> we thought better of you but now we know you actually belong here yeah yeah it was a, it was a bit kind of a bit like that yeah wow that's really see and that's what I mean about so many things some of them are structural but some of them are mm, attitudinal definitely and yeah. it's tackling both <laughs> yes and addressing both of those and things. it's like yeah working somewhere that the rules are there and then having the relationships and the influence and the now to kind of negotiate and deal with the right people in the right way to kind of happen on an individual workplace 
level. It's yeah, yeah it's certainly um, it's not easy. It's not just falling in your lap. No, and look, I mean, I've stated that I would like to return to work full time next year. Mm-hmm. She says with a gulp, <laughs> because I don't really want to return to full time work because I would lose my six hours of sanity. Yeah, um, and it will bite us in other ways. Mm. But anyway, needless to say. I then, in conjunction with that, asked if I could have the flexibility then to work from home yep. for one of those days. Mm-hmm. And it was a resounding, short, fat no. Yeah. And the reason that was given to me was that, well, one, I couldn't do it. Um, if there were ad hoc tasks on different days of the week, yep. that I would be able to then do those tasks from home on those days of the week and I just said well this is ridiculous because I already work a work pattern that everyone knows is Monday to Thursday yep. and if I bookend my week so that I do all those tasks at home for the last day of the week you're getting an extra day out of me that you didn't have well that you actually already get but you just don't pay, don't me pay for it because yep. I'm already doing that and I had to then I got a sharp look and I said I know you don't ask me to However, I am still doing things on the weekend yeah. and over the, la- the the days I'm not working, yeah, in inverted that's commas right. for the podcast. Um, and then I was also then told that if they allowed me to work one day from home, they'd have to extend that to the rest of the team. Shakara. Oh, that's right. The, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. And I'm like, well, if I have to be the champion yeah. to enable that for the rest of the team, so be it. Mm. And I'm like one of one of my, and this feels like ratting on my colleagues. But what then ends up happening is I end up looking at my colleague who's studying his masters and does his study at work, mm. you know, and resenting him because he gets paid full time. But I know that he's really doing his masters for at least point two of that. Yeah, and. Then that sets up a resentment between us. Whereas if he were allowed the flexibility to work, to, to you know, to do something else, his study, uh, his yeah, study yeah, different hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then maybe we'd get along better as colleagues, and there wouldn't be friction between us. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, there's a guy who works compressed hours. He's got a day off a fortnight that chops and changes every week, which is not the rules of compressed hours. Maybe I wouldn't be watching him like a hawk. Yep. To see which day he's not in each week. Mm. If I were given some liberty, like I think it sets up a relationship in the workplace yeah. where it pits staff against yeah. each other. Yeah, I, had, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that at all, but yes, yeah. You it, become each other's timekeepers. Yeah. Oh, where are you going at four o'clock? What time did you get in this morning? Yeah. You know, yeah. like it genuinely starts those kinds of what it's like Foucault, you know, yeah, like you're yes. in the panopticon and you're all watching each other's desks to see who's here and who's, who's not. Yeah, instead of being a bit more kind of um, there for each other and, and kind of, yeah. yeah, being understanding of everyone's responsibilities in various directions yeah. um, and just going, yeah, that's that's fine. We're kind of, we're all just getting getting through as best we can and, yeah. and we're trying to make our work hours facilitate that. Yeah. And, yeah, instead of just kind of going, well, mm-hmm, he's allowed to do that. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And so, yeah, I think it would breed a more conducive and collaborative work 
culture if there were, if that attitude were to shift. As part of this broader discussion, we also talked about carers' leave. To give some context, in Jo's organisation, she's entitled to 12 days carers' leave per year, which is prorated to reflect hours worked in a part-time role. So we talk about how and when this leave can be utilised and how the scope of this leave could be expanded. So carer's leave doesn't work. And I'll tell you why carer's leave doesn't work. Because carer's leave, well, in my workplace, carer's leave is based upon an emergency. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, carer's leave is about caring for someone. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they are ailing or sick. And so I think that there needs to be a provision within carer's leave that is actually for care of children, as in the general sense of care of children, where you're taking on responsibility for the care of your children. Children. So, for example, I work part-time for the care of children. It's not because they're sick. Mm, It's because mm. I have a parental responsibility. Yeah. Yes. There's a difference. There is a difference. So, in my mind, carer's leave should be Expanded beyond just the emergency of illness and for illness yeah, yeah. to be the care of children. Mm. And, I'll, and the example I'll give you is that when I first learned we had carer's leave and my children first started school, um, I took a week of carer's leave in the school holidays. Yeah. And it was approved. Yeah. Because someone didn't read the policy. And I didn't question it because i'd never done it before yeah yeah (laughs) you know i didn't so feeling your way through this yeah yeah. and so from in my mind i'm caring for my children i'm not taking leave for a holiday yeah you know like recreation leave for recreational purposes it is yeah yeah no you're quite right it is caring it's caring and um if i didn't take that leave no one else was going to be looking after them yeah so i felt i'd ticked all the boxes but subsequently, when I applied for carer's leave, it was denied because they said, no, this is your annual leave and any time in the school holidays needs to be taken out of your annual leave. And to which I just say, you need to broaden the definition of carer's leave. Mm. Mm. I think it's a critical element that is a glaring hole yep. around parental responsibility for the care of children. Mm. Yeah. I agree. That's, yeah, it's it's not something I've thought of in that way, but yeah, as as parents, we have a responsibility mm. that's not just when someone's yeah, yeah an emergency situation. Yeah, and on balance, the amount of carers' leave I would receive each year um, would enable me to take up more responsibility for my children during school holidays, for mm. example. Yeah. And I think that you would see a reduction in absenteeism yep. because people wouldn't be fake calling in sick, sick. because they during would... During school holidays, yeah, yeah. Yeah, during school holidays. because And so it would allow for greater work planning mm. because you would know mm, that yeah. actually someone has parental responsibilities just like when they go on parenting leave. Parenting leave doesn't end after you've had a baby, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. There's this concept that it's, oh, it's only the first six months of life yes, that yeah. you, you're caring for a child. Yeah. Hate to break it to you, but legally <laughs> you're kind of responsible for a lot leave the longer. nest quite that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I genuinely think that that's something that's not working and I think that it's something that we should look at redressing either through individual enterprise bargaining agreements or legislatively. Mm.
you want to keep up to date with Head of a Codfish, please like the Facebook page, which can be found at www.headofacodfish.com slash Facebook or the Facebook group at www.headofacodfish.com slash codfish squad. Speaking of Facebook groups, I've created a podcast fan group called Podswallop. The inspiration for creating the Podswallop group is this. When creating Head of a Codfish, I introduce some people to the podcast medium in general. People sometimes tell me the introduction episode was the first podcast they had ever listened to. I think that's pretty cool. So over the almost one year since I released the episode, those people have become more familiar with podcasts, have branched out to listen to other podcasts, and generally have become part of the podcast listening world. But podcast listening can be pretty isolated which I think can be a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, I wanted to create a place where people can talk about the podcasts and episodes they love. You know that feeling when you listen to a podcast that really speaks to you and you just want to talk about it with someone else? Well, Podswallop is the place to do that. You can find the group at www.headofacodfish.com slash podswallop. Lastly, I'm always on the lookout for more podcast guests. If you or someone you know has something to say about the topic of combining work and family and would be happy to chat to me, please let me know. Message me on Facebook or send me an email at headofacodfish at gmail.com. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. I really do appreciate it. I love talking to you and hearing feedback from you. And as I am approaching one year in podcasting later this month, I have a great amount of pride in how this podcast and I have grown and improved. So thanks and see you later.